Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you show up for yourself. I have a great guest for you this week who is just so wise and thoughtful and I am so excited to be sharing her story with you today. Fatimata Cham is an activist, an organizer, and a poet who is using her platform and her voice to advocate for BIPOC issues, gender inequity issues, environmental injustice, Pretty much, you name it, she's working on it. I'm really excited to dive into this week's episode. So, without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Fatimata Cham. My name is Fatimata Cham. I'm 20, 20 years old from the Bronx, New York. Um, I'm currently a sophomore um, undergrad at Lafayette College, double majoring in government law and international affairs. Um, I identify as an activist and organizer and also a poet. Um, currently, I'm working with a coalition that I founded on campus to help um, organize around BIPOC issues, um, whether that be the mutual aid that we started or through a lot of coalition work. I also run Muslims Matter, which is a a page that I started to help uplift and spread awareness about um, Islamophobia around the globe and also work do a lot of work around gender inequity, um, environmental injustice with Generation Green. Um, so just a lot of work in the organizing space to help uplift communities of color um, and women and um, gender non-binary folks. Um, but yeah, that's me. <laughs> That was the perfect intro, and I'm really excited to talk with you today. I found your Instagram and watched you reciting some of your poetry, and I knew that you would just be a great guest to talk to. I love to go a little bit deeper and have you tell me some about how you came to be in this position. Can you tell me some about the experiences that you've had, or maybe if you faced any challenges that brought you to this point where you felt like you needed to make your voice heard and start your activism and your organizing journey? Right. Um, I would say, like, I started to see glimpses of, like, the work that I, like, wanted to do in the future, like, that I'm currently doing, like, I would say around second grade, like, um, I started to notice a lot of inequities within the education system. I grew up in New York City my entire life. Um, and within the education system, like I see, I saw the disparities within like the districts and the funding they would get. And a lot of these disparities were occurring mostly in predominantly black and brown communities. So um, I would often write letters to my officials, to mayors, to just let them know like how I was feeling in the moment and like what I was noticing in terms of like the disadvantages that black and brown communities were facing in education. And um, really that's just how like it started when I was younger. And then when I got to high school is really when um, I began to do more organizing work. So I went to a predominantly white high school, a boarding school in Northern New Hampshire. And I was like one, I would say one of 10 black students in the entire school. And then um, one of two Muslim hijabi girls and I think in, in being in that setting really pushed me to learn more about how I can better communicate the work that I'm doing with people who may not identify with my um, background or identity. So I led discussions in my school related to equity and inclusion and diversity. I started the first ever affinity groups at my school. Um, 
which were a lot of student of color groups. Um, and then I started to lead protests with my friend for Women um, History Month and things of that nature. Um, and then I became a teen advisor to Girl Up and began to do work around gender and equity because with my background, um, being a child of immigrant parents, um, my mom in particular did not really have the same upbringing that I've had the privilege of having um, in terms of education. She grew up, didn't really go to like higher education, like, I think she stopped at, like, elementary or something. So I think it was definitely those instances, those three experiences that I had that really helped to shape and mold my understanding of, like, organizing and, like, how I can better serve and uplift my community um, or the communities that I've been a part of. Yeah, definitely. That totally makes sense. And I would love to talk to you some about the role that you played as a teen advisor to the United Nations Foundation Girl Up, because it sounds like it was a really great experience for you. Can you tell me some about your work promoting gender equality and what that's looked like for you? Right. So in terms of education, it's mainly been, I would say, mainly been hosting conferences and hosting panels and hosting discussions and lobbying with legislators. So while I was a part of Girl Up, I was predominantly, I was working on this uh, issue of educational inequality and gender inequity. Um, and we're working on pieces of legislation like um, the Girls Count Act. So a lot of people don't know this, but a huge issue um, within the gender and equity space is that a lot of girls in the international community aren't registered at birth. And when a girl is not registered at birth or not counted in the eyes of the law, that cuts off access to things like healthcare and education. So I spent a majority of my time lobbying um, for that bill. Um, thankfully, it got signed into law by Donald Trump, I would say around 2017, if I'm correct on the dates, but it's mainly been for me in terms of organizing around education has been through um, the political aspect. So lobbying for legislations that we're trying to get passed, petitions, protesting for issues like um, FGM, leading the club at my school, and I'm still running the chapter at my college hosting discussions with members, women within the professional space and how they've navigated facing the pay gap and gender inequity. So I think that's how I've been able to organize around, specifically around educational inequality and gender inequity. Thank you for sharing about that work. And I'd also really like to talk about your poetry because you have your own poetry book and I've seen you read some of your work and it's so impressive. I'm really interested in the way that it's become a part of your activism. How do you see your poetry fitting into your organizing work? Right. Um, I didn't, I don't really tell people <laughs> this this often, but it was around like, I would say my sophomore year of high school. And I really, I had a traumatic experience at a protest actually. And because of that, I developed anxiety from protests. Like, it kind of made me uncomfortable when I like went to protest. Like up until like my sophomore year, I kind of stopped going to protest until like recently. I think a couple of months ago, I had went to a protest to perform my poem um, related to the 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 protest that was happening. It was not that was like the first time I had gone to a protest in like two years. Um, and because of that experience, I I I was so passionate about it because I used to think that organizing and activism could only be done one way and I think a lot of the times in the organizing and the activism space it makes it seem like like protesting is the way to go always but it's it's 
takes away from the non-able-bodied folks who may not be able to attend protests or people who have anxiety from going to protests. So I have to figure out a different outlet for me to still advocate for the issues I cared about and still get the messages that I deeply cared about across to like my audience, across to people. And poetry was there for me. And I think poetry has a way of being able to communicate vividly speaking vividly like images that people may not think about so I remember one poem that I wrote um, was about like black women and their experiences and sometimes it takes art for people to truly see like the issues that are going on and that's kind of how I saw poetry and activism intersecting because I had learned a lot about these black poets like Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou and all these other writers that black writers that used their time periods like I remember Langston Hughes like came up a lot during the Harlem Renaissance and he talked about like Harlem and black art and what was going on at that time through his poetry so I was really inspired by that and I was like I need to start using my writing as a way to like communicate the events that I saw happening around the globe and that's kind of how I saw those two intersecting. I think that is a really interesting perspective, and I I also think that your poetry is a way to reach people and to connect with them in a way that's more intimate than protesting or other forms of activism may be. So I think that's really cool. And along those lines, I would really love for you to tell me your thoughts about Amanda Gorman presenting her poem at President Biden's inauguration. As a poet and an activist, what were your thoughts when you saw her up on that stage? Yeah, I remember when I saw her, I was like, wow, this is like monumental. I don't think, especially her being a young person, a young Black poet, I think we don't really see like a lot of young Black poets being pushed out in the media as often. And I think when I saw her performing her poem, I was just like, wow, like this is just amazing. Like, um, I just couldn't believe it. And, um, and her timely and her being able to communicate like her poem about, you know, the struggles we face with the COVID-19 pandemic and the election and everything that we've gone through this past year. Um, and I think, I can't remember the exact lines, but the, the lines about light was so like evident and prominent because it's it, like, it was invigorating and also pushed forth this sense of positivity. Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel um, in all of this. And it was like, with all the chaos that happened prior <laughs> to the election, that was such like a positive note. I mean, I think it inspired a lot of other like young children, young poets who witnessed that on national television, um, seeing that. So I was really inspired by it. I was really happy. Um, I used to, I follow her on Instagram for a while. So just seeing her um, be chosen to do such like, a huge honor um, for the country was really, it was really amazing to see. Definitely. And I agree with you that it inspired so many people, especially young people around the country. So that's great. I really, I, I want to shift gears a little bit and ask about other sources of inspiration for you. Is there any advice or words of wisdom from someone that really stood out to you? Definitely. Um, I think one piece of advice that I always keep in the back of my mind that a fellow activist has said to me was, no one else can tell your story but you. Um, and when I had that conversation, it was more so like 
speaking towards a lot of human beings, I think, struggle with showing up for themselves because especially women, um, I think you like media, just people in general have a problem with like women who are able to like show from the, for themselves fully without apologizing for who they are. So when that individual told me that <laughs> no one can tell your story better than you. Like no one can share your experience. No one can advocate for yourself better than you. Like no one else is going to do it for you. So in that sense, I think I grew it. My confidence grew from that because I knew that, you know, I'm uniquely myself. Um, everyone has their own goals and aspirations in life and we're all capable of accomplishing them at our own pace. Um, and showing up fully for ourselves mean, means being unapologetically yourself and presenting yourself in rooms that you know may not necessarily be open had you not be, be yourself so i think that has been the biggest takeaway for me and i've always kept that in the back of my mind just showing up for yourself um and advocating for yourself has always been in the back of my mind i think that's a great point and i think you're doing it really well through your poetry and your activism but as you mentioned before as well, the organizing space can be really draining. And I'd love to know what you like to do to de-stress. What do you do when you need some time to think or when you need some time for self-care? For self-care, I definitely love to vent to my best friend. Like she's like, I love her so much. Like I would say that's one thing I do. I definitely love, I don't think a lot of people know this, but I love nature actually. Like uh, for a long time, I used to do rock climbing and I love just going outside and walking. Going on walks has always been a source of relaxation for me. I love, 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 love painting. Even I can't paint, but I love doing it. <laughs> so those are some things that I do to kind of de-stress when I feel like overwhelmed. I love the painting one. And if you're having fun, keep doing it. Um, I have one last question that I'd like to ask all of my guests, and I'm really excited to get your take on it. So lots of young people, particularly college students, want to create change and they want to make a difference in the world. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom that you'd want to share with these people who may just not really know where to get started? Oh, that's a good question. I think the main piece of advice I would like to share with them is to look into your community and don't devalue your community because I feel like with any community that I've ever been a part of has played a large role in my development as an organizer and act activist, as someone who wants to make a change in the world, it is because of my community that I realize the issues on a broader or larger scale. Um, and I think learning from the older people in my community and asking questions to them, like they have been doing this work for a long time. So I always tell people who want to get into the organizing space or who want to organize in their community to start in your community. Um, ask questions, figure out what issues are pertaining to your community um, and how you can work towards that. Um, I think it's a great step towards wanting to make valuable change. And I also would like to urge anyone listening is to don't devalue your your skills don't devalue um the things that you can do you don't necessarily have to do 500 things for you to like accomplish you know your goals and make valuable change in the world i think people tend to think oh they're not enough because they're not like protesting 
500 days out of the year or 500 times out of the year, or they feel like they're not doing enough because they're not seeing, I guess, (laughs) they're not seeing the recognition or that they deserve. I feel like at the end of the day, um, change will come with each and every single one of us contributing what we can. Um, and don't push yourself too far <laughs> um, to the point where you get so stressed out. Um, I think uh, valuing the things that you're good at and trying to use those to make change is really important. And starting your com- community is really important. So I would say those two things. I think Fatimata is so wise, and I really think she's showing up for herself, her community, and for others. She's using her own talents and creativity to raise awareness about so many important issues. And I really admire how she's used her own identity and experiences to fuel her activism. She manages to elicit emotional responses and so much empathy from her audiences that may never be able to experience being a woman, or being a member of the BIPOC community, for example. Fatimata is using her talents to make change for herself and for others like her, because change comes when you show up for yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can follow Fatimata on Instagram at FatimataCham underscore to get connected with her and follow along with her work. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at be the change org or on Instagram at be the change podcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye guys.